crap I learned in high school. Hey everybody, welcome back to Sales is King. Dan Sixsmith here, happy to be with you. And um, you may have noticed we changed up the uh, intro and outro music. I was getting a little tired of George Michael. Thought we'd do a little Paul Simon. And uh, I thought the song Kodachrome would be relevant to us because, you know, we've been talking quite a bit about how sales and salespeople need to be transformed um, and sell in the modern selling type of approach, uh, or they're going to be disrupted. And uh, when we talk about some of the companies that have been disrupted, uh, Kodak is certainly one of them. Um, Different companies that didn't read the tea leaves, that that didn't see change coming, Uh, a great company that created change, but unfortunately... um, ran aground like the blockbusters and Toys R Us and sports authorities. And I'm really happy that some of my uh, colleagues um, who are out there in the kind of sales coaching and consulting space have uh, adopted this and have been running with it. So um, I think the more people that are out there speaking about it, certainly um, the better. So yeah, Kodachrome, baby. Uh, So let's do a little housekeeping, and then we're going to get into today a very important topic, and that's closing the deal. Closing, right? Um, The most important element of selling today, perhaps, Um, and we'll get into this. I've got some interesting um, data for you, and I've got some interesting studies to talk about and some interesting approaches. Housekeeping. Um, Thank you once again to everyone who listens regularly, who has subscribed, who has written me a review, um, who has written um, in, commented, uh, etc. Appreciate that. Just want to ask you, if you're new and listening today, please hit the subscribe button after you listen. Uh, If you enjoyed it, please forward it to your friends, your colleagues, that may find it valuable. Um, So that's number one. Number two is um, I've been doing just about almost everyday videos on LinkedIn called Sales is King Tip of the Day. Tune in to check those out. Leave me some comments or likes. Send me some notes on the certain tips that you might want to hear. We're doing it on LinkedIn. We're doing it on Facebook. We're going to start doing more lives I'm going to be doing some Facebook Lives, some Periscopes, some YouTube Lives, um, Instagram Lives. I think that's a very underutilized medium right now for companies and individuals uh, looking to continue to grow their following and to spread value out there. Um, Cool. Last housekeeping item. If you are a salesperson and you need help and you want to chat with me, by all means, reach out. Um, Dan.Sixsmith at gmail.com. Let's talk. Um, If you are a sales leader, a business owner, um, an entrepreneur, a VP of sales, um, if you are looking to improve your results, uh, let's talk, okay? Um, A lot of this stuff that we are preaching 
Um, I am working with teams to put into practice, and it is working. It is moving the needle. So let's talk. Send me an email, and we can do a little high-level consultation, certainly free of charge. Um, I'd be happy to help in any way, shape, or form. Cool. Fantastic. So let's chat now about something that all salespeople hold tried and true. Sometimes it's a little intimidating when we hear the word closing. You know, we have to close the deal. Um, But let's think about it, really. I mean, if we don't close, we don't sell. You know, I mean, there's no sale. And all the work we've done up until that point could be months worth of work basically amounts to nothing. We've got to get on the scoreboard. We've got to ring the cash register. Uh, Great quote from Grant Cardone. Closing separates those who have from those who don't have. Um, It's well established that, you know, the closers, um, the ones, the salespeople that are comfortable closing business Um, are the ones that do the best. Those that close, those that can handle objections are the ones that move into the elite versus the others in the kind of large group of what we might want to call mediocre or, um, you know, that 55%, that 45% of sales reps that are not hitting quota. So when we think about selling, you know, selling to me is all the work we're putting in, the question asking, the emails back and forth, the pitches, the conversations, the follow-ups, um, the documentation, the paperwork. But at the end of the day, closing is finalizing the deal, making sure that value is transacted between two people or two organizations. Um And closing puts money in your pocket, in your company's pocket, and also in your customer's pocket. Because what you're selling them is going to be adding tremendous value. So different words that come to mind in successful closing. Um, Respect, to me, is number one. Uh, There's got to be a mutual respect between the salesperson and the buyer. Credibility, number two. Um, The salesperson must demonstrate credibility. Uh, before a buyer will buy. Number three, persistence. Let's face it, very few deals close on their own. Very few buyers are knocking down your door to say, hey, let's get this done now, Dan. Man, where have you been? You know, we've been dying to buy this. No. So persistence, key. Assertiveness, right? Um, Are you leading the buyer to the close, you know, or are you kind of uh, laying back and letting the game come to you? And then lastly, confidence. You know, the buyer needs to read confidence um, all over you uh, before he's going to make a move and buy from you. Um, Last point, but also very important, accountability. Uh, We must take responsibility, and we must be accountable. Just like we take responsibility and accountability for the sale, uh, for the commission, you know, for the bank account, for the home run, you know, we also need to take accountability for the strikeout 
or for the swing and the miss, for the miss deal. You know, that's all on us. We might want to say, oh, it was this, or oh, they did this, or oh, they did that. But if we don't take accountability of the misses, of the deals that don't close, we'll never get any better. And then lastly, you know, everyone loses when deals don't close. You know, you lose, the buyer loses because they don't get your service. Um, you know, ultimately, we want that buyer to take action. We want that exchange to occur. And, you know, when we talk about all of this malarkey about, you know, salespeople, million salespeople losing their jobs, um, you know, it to me, deals don't close themselves. Now, some some transactional deals may close themselves. But today, um, there's so much complication involved in a B2B sale. What do you want to talk about? The information, the number of vendors, the number of people in the buying committee, um, you know, the pricing structure. Uh, so very few deals close themselves. Yes, buyers may do research, but they need salespeople to come in and deliver clarity, to gain understanding, to lead them to the proper solution uh, that's going to solve their problem. So, you know, closing is critical. Salespeople are the only ones that are going to do it. Um, and it's a way for each of you to create value. And then remember also, um, and I can't recall which of my uh, esteemed sales consulting colleagues said this. Um, I'm almost positive it's my friend Jerry Acuff. But you know, he said something that's very uh, important when we think about selling. That, and it's this. Buyers think they know what they want, but they really don't. You know, buyers think they know what they want, but they really don't. Um, they need us, the sales exec, to come in and help gain understanding first and foremost. Um, you know, gain clarity. Um, and then understand where we can direct them and show them really what they need once we have an, uh, a good understanding um, of where we think they should go. Um, you know, other thoughts on closing, like we need to practice this. You know, I'm a big believer in role playing. Um, we have to practice this. We talked about this in a few earlier episodes. You know, baseball players take hours of batting practice. Um, basketball players take thousands of free throws, thousands of outside shots. Uh, marathon runners train. They run hundreds of miles uh, to, you know, before they get to the starting line. So no different in sales. You know, we can't just run out to the meeting, start picking up the phone and flailing all over the place. We need to practice. We need to role play. We need to get ready and prepare. You know, we need to know how to hit that curveball. We need someone to throw us 100 curveballs. So let's think about that um, and think about how you can engage with a sales coach, a sales trainer, uh, or work with your sales management to do this. Um, so, you know, I wanted to talk about um, a couple of other thoughts, and then I'm going to go into some interesting uh, numbers, um, an interesting study on why closers fail. But, 
you know, to me, in the new modern way of selling, if we're doing everything right early on, <clears throat> you know, if we're uncovering the right issues, if we're coming in with insights, um, if we're deploying active listening, um, if we're doing our homework ahead of time, if we're telling a story, if we're highlighting the uh, danger of the status quo, if we're selling with value and benefits versus features, uh, the term close, um, you know, many of this stuff is just going to fall into line. The buyers are going to want to move forward. There's not going to be a lot of arm twisting and 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 table pounding and gimmicky, you know, one you know one shot deal pricing. Um, so I think it's important that if you look at and listen to many of these other episodes and and read up on what modern selling is all about today. I think the close fits in um, very nicely, um, and you'll have your meat quite tenderized. Of course, you still have to ask for the business, but um, it shouldn't be as difficult as you think it might be. Um, you know, we have different types of closes today. Um, if you've read The Perfect Close by my friend James Muir, uh, if you haven't read it, you should read it. Um, and he uses a very simple phrase uh, along the way in these sales conversations to uh, really get the buyer to, you know, almost close themselves. And the phrase is, does it make sense to, you know, think about that. You know, does it make sense, John, um, to schedule the kickoff? Or does it make sense to um, get you a proposal? Does it make sense to, um, you know, uh, get your signature at this point uh, and move everything forward. You know, by asking if it makes sense, um, it gets the customer to let you know if they're in agreement with you. Um, if they say yes, then it's fabulous. If they say no, then you're, as James says, your your next, you know, your fallback will be, um, then please let me know what the most appropriate next steps should be. Oh, okay, Dan. Well, I'm not ready to sign anything as yet. We're going to need to bring in two or three others, and we're need we're going to need to schedule another demo, um, etc. So, does it make sense? Is a great one that you can be using um, along the way. Um, other things to think about, um, you know, as you go forward from many of this, the the kind of episodes we've been talking about. But you know, um, the buyers are taking a risk. Remember that. You know, the buyers are taking a risk. No matter how small the sale is, and I'm talking B2B now, I'm not talking uh, buying a, a Coke out of a vending machine, but, um, you know, in B2B, there's risk. People are putting money on the line, they're putting their reputation on the line, and they're potentially putting their job on the line. So, you know, we have to understand that. We have to be empathetic. We've used that word quite a bit. We've got to be empathetic. Um, and we've got to demonstrate to the buyer that uh, moving to your solution is actually the least risky thing to do. Staying where he is today um, is actually the most risky. And that's one of the great, um, great things that uh, we should be able to do. Um, the other thing is um, certainly have your case studies, have your proof points uh, available. Um, you know, customers like to see that you've solved this problem in another industry. Um, I'm sorry, with, uh, in the same industry with another account or competitor. Um, 
or uh, some bottom line numbers, you know. We've been doing this with XYZ account, and they've been able to save X amount of money. Or over the first six months, XYZ account achieved a 20% increase in revenue. So case studies are definitely uh, important uh, things that you have to have. So let's talk about a few interesting statistics. Um, why closers don't close or why closers fail. Um, there was a recent study out on it. I've got to get you the uh, link, and I've got to get you um, who it was by. I do a lot of reading, so um, but I will dig it up for you. So number one, you know, why closers fail is they just don't ask. They don't ask. Come on. How can you not ask, you say, right? But, you know, there's a lot that goes behind this, you know, Um Sometimes we're on this likability kick, you know. Everything seems to be going well, and why do we want to ruin it by asking for the business and upsetting the upsetting the prospect? You know, no, not at all. We we have to ask. Um, the only way the prospect is going to benefit is if we get that deal closed. So we must ask uh, for the business. Number two reason why closers fail is that they fold under pressure. So, yeah, that's a good one. So sales is a pressure game, let's face it. Sales is a pressure game. Um, yep, you know, it's two outs in the ninth, runner on base, and you're down. You're at the plate with two strikes. That's sales. You know, time has expired. You're down by two and you need to hit two free throws to, to put the game in overtime. That's why we're in this business, guys. Sales is not easy. Um, if it were easy, everyone would do it. And not everyone does it. Not everyone likes to do it. So it's not easy. So there's going to be pressure. We need to be able to take that pressure and turn it into energy. Um, it's okay to be nervous, uh, you know. Um, it's okay to be concerned, but let's harness that pressure and turn it into energy and turn it into a win. And again, if we're doing all those other steps along the way, the pressure is going to be greatly reduced when we come down to the point of asking for the business because we've already demonstrated so well to the prospect why this makes sense for them. Reason number three why closers don't close, they don't believe in themselves. And guys, buyers can see this a mile away. You have to believe in yourself. You have to sell yourself. First and foremost, you're selling yourself, okay? Um, the buyers are looking at you. Um, they're listening to you. And if you're not believing in yourself, it's going to come across. So you must believe in yourself, your product, your company, Um that is a given. Without that, we have nothing in sales. Number four is don't believe in their product or service. Okay, I got a little ahead of myself, but you know, it is a must. You must believe that what you are selling is of tremendous value, whether it's a product, a service, a solution. You must believe that it's going to be a tremendous value to your prospect. If you don't, forget it. Because that's going to come across also. Um, and I'd suggest maybe you go find another company, another product, another solution. Number five reason why closers don't close. They underestimate the effort required. 
underestimate the effort required. And I believe this. Um, think about some of these deals you've been wrangling with for months, maybe even years. You know, um, all of the different stakeholders, all of the different players, the follow-ups, the the meetings, the rescheduled meetings, um, all the hoops you have to jump through, um, all of the personalization efforts. There's a ton of work involved. And sometimes what we do is we just bail. And we're like, ah, you know, I don't think this is going to close. But so when we underestimate, when we think it's going to be easy, when we underestimate the effort, um, we put ourselves on the wrong track. So no going in that, you know, this could be um, quite a process here, but I've got to hang in. I've got to keep uh, delivering value uh, along the way. I've got to keep myself at the top of the list. And when they're ready to go, they've got to turn to me. Number six, I put this one in myself, um, is why closers don't close. They don't raise the stakes. If you remember back a zillion episodes ago, we talked about raising. And raising the stakes comes from a great book that I recommend to you called High Performance Habits by Brendan Burchard. How extraordinary people become that way. I love it. Um, and he goes into a, um, a lot of detail around this. But one of the key um, characteristics of these high-performance people is that they're able to raise the stakes. So in other words, before an event, um, they place tremendous importance on that event. Um, and they get so geared up for it that um, it's almost like it's life or death. You know, um, and I think I see a lot of crossover in what we can do in business and in sales. Uh, if we can say to ourselves, you know, I have to close this deal. You know, everything is riding on this deal. Um, I want to be the number one salesperson. And for me to be the number one salesperson, every single call, every single deal, every single meeting matters. I can't say, ah, you know, so the Olympic runner is not saying, ah, so, you know, I'll kind of dog through this one. And then, you know, when I get to the real thing, I, hopefully I'll, I'll do well. No, the Olympic runners, the Olympic athletes, you know, kick ass. They try and kick ass in every single race. You know, they try and get better in every single race, every single practice. They raise the stakes. So think about that from a psychology perspective. You know, don't don't slough it off. Don't say, ah, well, you know, I've got another deal. I've got a bunch of deals. No, man, put as much emphasis on this deal as you can. Um, make it a life or death situation. You know, make it just hugely important that this gets done so that you get it done. Raise the stakes. I love that one. I hope you guys do too. Um, okay, reason number seven why closers don't close. No individual goals. Okay? So if you're a seller and you don't have an individual goal, and I mean a personal goal, um, you know, then what the hell, right? So it's like, you know, where am I going? You know, do I need this to close or do I not? You know, um, 
where am I in my goals, uh, in achieving my goals? So if I don't have any goals, I have nothing to target, nothing to shoot for, um, and I'm unable to really effectively evaluate myself or motivate myself. You know, and then the flip side of that, not the flip side, but part of that is, you know, am I just going for, um, you know, the quota, the, the minimum requirement, or am I shooting for the stars? You know, have I turned my thermostat, you know, up high in terms of, uh, you know, what I want to achieve both financially uh, or personally or whatever it is in terms of my goals? Reason number eight why closers don't close. They're ineffective at handling objections. Reason number eight, they're ineffective at handling objections. And this is it, guys. I mean, this is where the rubber meets the road. You know, you either handle an objection, you know, you close the objection, uh, as Brad Lee says, which I love that, um, close the objection. You know, you've got to get through these objections to get to the win. You know, the other thing with, uh, quote unquote, handling objections is actually finding objections because many times the buyers do not tell us that there is an objection. We have this kind of kumbaya meeting, you know, and everyone leaves thinking it was fantastic, but we didn't realize that we didn't ask the right questions. You know, we didn't read the tea leaves. We didn't pick up on the body language and we didn't ask the question Um, It seems to me like you're a little hesitant still. Um, You know, help me understand what we didn't cover. Or, you know, help me understand uh, what it's going to take to help uh, to have you move this deal along. Um, And just as an aside here, before we get to another, um, something just popped into my head. And this came up um, the other day in one of the trainings. You know... We've got these buying committees. We've got the quote unquote, you know, uh, point man who we want to kind of turn into the champion. You know, corporate executive board calls them the champion. Um, But we have to make sure before we leave the meeting, you know, with the guy who's going to be or gal who's going to be moving things forward, we have to make sure that they are on board. We have to ask the question, um, you know, John. Do I have your commitment to uh, recommend us to the rest of the buying committee? You know, do I have your commitment uh, to get us the next meeting with the key decision makers? You know, you've got to establish that. You know, that's an objection that if you don't find it, if you don't get that commitment, uh, if you don't get to the truth, you know, you're leaving that meeting with John and you're going into chase mode for, for potentially months. Um, and, and suddenly John's not answering. Like, what the hell happened to John? Well, we never asked John. We never asked for John's commitment to move us uh, along in the process, to advance us. And we never got to the real reason. We never asked John if there were issues. So uh, very, very important. Number nine reason why closes don't close is not enough training. We talked about this earlier. You know, if you don't take batting practice and you go into the game and you keep missing the curveball, the pitchers are going to keep throwing your curveballs and you're going to be out of business. You're going to be out of the league pretty soon. So you've got to practice. We know we do this role playing. I'm a big believer in it. It helps tremendously. 
It helps the team um, see what their colleagues are doing in terms of tactics, style, um, and it also uh, helps keep you sharp. Um, and we work with teams, uh, particularly the Sales is King group here, we work with teams to get them ready. You know, because I'm a firm believer of being prepared for anything. You know, I mean, we know what's going to come up. We know what some people are going to be throwing at us. We know what these objections are, and we've got to be ready. <coughs> Last one, number 10, um, and I made this one up as well uh, for my own uh, knowledge and research. The number 10 reason why closers don't close is they accept the term no decision. And I talked about this in a previous episode. Corporate executive board invented the term no decision in their book, The Challenger Sale, which, by the way, is a great book. You guys should read it. Matt Dixon and the gang, um, you know, basically saying that modern selling is not uh, glad handing and back slapping and, and likability, you know. Um, it's all the things we've been talking about. But the term came up, you know, no decision. Uh, you know, the, the client decides to not make a decision. I, I don't like that term. So, uh, and I think accepting the term is dangerous. Um, if someone is not making a decision, uh, this goes back to one of the earlier um, uh, points we made just today. Um, it's taking accountability uh, accepting responsibility. If, if, if my prospect is saying we're not going to decide, for, which first of all, I've never heard them say that. It just says that we're going to stay put. That's what it means. You know, um, it means that they're not making a decision with a new vendor. Okay. So that maybe makes a little bit more sense, but to me, no decision is a decision and it's no, we're not going with you no matter how you slice it. You know, I mean, when you go in and talk to your sales manager, do you think there's going to be any, um, you know, extra bonus points for, you know, some deals that were no decision deals versus deals you lost? I don't think so. It's a loss. If it's not a win, it's a loss. I mean, we have to be that brutally honest with ourselves in sales today or, you know, we're just not going to push ourselves to succeed. So do not accept no decision. Um, You, if there is no decision... It should come back on you and you should say to yourself, I have not demonstrated enough value. I have not demonstrated enough value and I have not demonstrated enough of the perils of the status quo to my buyer. It's as plain as simple. If you can uncover this, if you can get back in and repitch and reposition it, you can get the buyer, as Jerry Acuff says, to make a different decision based on new information. So you can give them some new information that can get them to make a different decision, which will be hopefully a decision in your favor. Wow. Okay. That was pretty good. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Um, It comes from a deck I put together, and um, I think it's an area that we have to keep talking about um, because there's a lot of good... Um, new techniques and styles uh, that are coming across uh, today when we think of the modern seller and the importance of the close and how we um, handle and execute the close. 
uh, in our sales process. So that's it for this week. Hope you guys are doing phenomenally well. Uh, keep at it, man. Keep staying positive. Don't let any negatives get in your way. Keep believing in yourself. Listen to podcasts out there. Read books. Stay current and build confidence. And until next time, Dan Sixsmith for Sales is King. Peace.